This is a podcast from 3RRR, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. G'day, welcome aboard the Starship Zero G Science Fiction, Fantasy and Historical Radio for episode number 1243. <laughs> I was going to say 1234, but it wasn't, so we won't say that. <laughs> Our title is Always Let Your Lemony Cricket Be Your Guide. <laughs> Our podcast title is Robot Mumpstar. I am Rob Jan. And Megan McHugh. And here we are on Zero G, just having landed. What have you been up to, Megan? Oh, look, I've had quite a busy week, actually. I think I'm really just trying to get in the zone and prepare my, you know, mind grapes for the upcoming... Big drops of loads of shows that I'm in love with. So, of course, Stranger Things is coming out soon on the 4th of July. Veronica Mars will be out, I think, later in July as well on Stan. Um, And there's just a lot of, uh, of course, Spider-Man Homecoming. Not Homecoming. Spider-Man Far From Home will be coming out today, I think. Mm. I think it's weirdly coming out on the 1st. Why is it today? I'm not sure. I'm going to look into that. I was a little confounded. But anyway, coming out this week for sure. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I'm just really prepping, and I think there'll be plenty um, of good stuff to catch up on in July. So. Do you know I almost whacked my microphone and said, is this thing on? (laughs) (laughs) And I stopped myself at the last minute. After 20 years, you Uh, still do the old. I still do that. Okay, well, I I went to see Avengers Endgame again on the weekend. (gasps) Nice. Still playing, is it? Well, it was on on, on, um, Sunday. uh, Because, of course, Far From Home swinging its way onto the screens here on today uh, and given how much Spidey plugs into Endgame mm. um, I thought it was a good time to revisit it so it was my yeah. third time um, and they added extra material to the film oh of course I read something about that happening on the DVD release mm. but is it out in cinemas yes. as well oh wow yeah, the, 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 um, I didn't realise that at all the, they're obviously trying to uh, <laughs> pull in jo- those last few million dollars that they need yes. to make up the avatar sort of get the few dregs in yeah and it worked it, on you it, well no I, I was going to go and see it anyway and yeah, that was just fair. bonus um, and I checked the box office mojo the other day uh, actually this morning and um, there's 26 million dollars worldwide between avatar and endgame in their box office at this moment so exciting wow <laughs> um, look I suppose this is a spoiler I'll tell you a little bit about the extra material yeah great um, so you know people running away now but it's not look it's not it's not amazing stuff mm. and I guess most of it's going to end up on the DVD it's all going to be part of a hype machine anyway like yeah they must have planned this yeah <laughs> there's there's uh, a short bookend intro and outro for the movie with a Russo brother Oh, you know, so okay, fun. Very short. And a, a short but moving compilation of Stan Lee Marvel cameos with some behind-the-scenes footage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a deleted scene with some unfinished special effects. Oh, okay. And um, a Spider-Man Endgame scene that that would have made a pretty good after-credits epilogue teaser in itself if they'd okay. done that the usual way when they first released Endgame, which they didn't. So, you know, because they, they just thought it was so epic they didn't need anything extra. And they're right. Which is true. It's yes. true. It's not um, called Endgame for nothing. Yeah. So there's a, that's the extra stuff that okay, they're cool. playing with. And speaking of, um, of uh, Marvel, uh, they've got uh, the 80th anniversary 
art exhibition mm-hmm. at Melbourne Central near the Shot Tower from the, July the 5th. Cool. Um, of course, that's under the, you know, the cone. That big, yes. Yeah, the big spider house. <laughs> um and the, the, they're going to have artwork there ranging from the proto-Marvel publisher Timely Comics. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this is like World War II era, um, to the latest stuff. So the original artwork on display is created by a number of local artists, including Patrick Brown, uh, John Somariva, uh, David Yardin, Ben Templesmith and Wayne Nichols. And Melbourne's own comic book writer Tom Taylor has had a lot to do with um, arranging this and getting it all set up. So that'll be at the, uh, the Shot Tower, well, next to the Shot Tower. Tower from uh, July the 5th in Melbourne. Hee, ha, here we are. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, I think I might go to a track here about uh, Godzilla uh, because we've been playing some music and you said something to me um, after you'd seen Godzilla about it sounding like anime music. Yes, it had that really nice feeling of what you might expect from you know, like a traditional kind of kaiju Japanese film. I thought that was quite cool that that was incorporated into mm. this Americanized offering. <laughs> well, of course, they, they have actually done many musical quotes. Bear McCreary, the composer for Godzilla, uh, King of the Monsters, has incorporated riffs from the old Godzilla music and the iconic stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the uh, just a track called Godzilla, um, and it features uh, Seri Tankian, uh, just to sort of get you in the mood for just going out in the town and stomping on it. <laughs> I'm Terry Pratchett, the undeservedly famous author of the Discworld novels, so you can believe me when I say that Zero-G on 3 R is the finest science fiction and fantasy show this side of the black stump. I also think Dibbler's delicious pork sausages are the finest eating anywhere, anywhere in the world, so you know you can trust me on this. Ha 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 with three exclamation marks. Hmm, that bit of Godzilla there. Bear McCreary featuring Seri Tankian. Actually, I like that sort of... (laughs) (laughs) I can imagine Godzilla bopping along to that. Oh, absolutely. Because he does actually do a dance. I'm sure someone's put it on YouTube somewhere. Um, Godzilla dance, his victory dance. Oh, yeah. And it's like, uh, I I can't do this on radio, (laughs) can I? But it's very cute. (laughs) It did. When we were talking about Godzilla again and having seen this new one, I was thinking back to that um, movie we saw with Anne Hathaway, Colossal. Colossal, And how good that was and how that was a nice little twist on that kind of big monster genre. Yeah, big monster, giant mecha um, genre where you do that. What's the um, um, the actual Japanese one, uh, Ultraman? Where they have the the big uh, mecha guy yeah. versus the cage, or or indeed any of those other ones like Power Rangers, where they'll do that sort of thing. Too. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah, I don't know. I was just thinking it back. Sometimes movies bring to mind other movies you've seen and appreciated, and you go, "Oh, oh. that was interesting. <laughs> that was good." Anyway, well, uh, I, we we talked briefly about Jessica Jones mm-hmm. season three. I've binge watched all the rest of it. Yes. Okay. So you're done. <sighs> Well, yeah, and it's like an end of an era because it is. Mm. Um, this is the, the final one of the next Netflix shows, the, yes. the Marvel Netflix shows. Um, we've had uh, – and this is the thing. Jessica Jones doesn't have some of the things going for it that some of the other shows do. Sure. Okay, it's not as athletically brutal as Daredevil. Mm. It's not uh, as nihilistically bloody as The Punisher. Mm. It's not – as stupid as <laughs> Iron Fist. I know. I no, mean, no. where do we begin? But, no. yes. but what it doesn't actually, speaking of Iron Fist and Luke Cage, mm. it doesn't have that 
wonderful examination of uh, ethnic cultures in New York. Yeah. Um, okay, gangs. <laughs> well, yeah. It doesn't have those. So it doesn't have all of those different things. Mm. Um, and I don't think its musical palette is actually as rich as... Um, so is either. No, I mean, I think I would have liked to see them lean a little more into the noir without making it naff, but just bring it in a bit more. But that is what it does have. Okay, it yes. It does have the, the noir business in, in I was going to say, in, in Sam Spades, but I don't <laughs> think that's necessary as a pun in this case. Uh, but, yeah, they actually do a lot of more procedural in this one, unlike the second um, season where they were basically it was a road movie yeah. with Jessica and her, her, her mother. Um, this one is more into a. Well, let's be honest. They're they're chasing down a killer mm-hmm. for a large chunk of this um, story, uh, and the pursuit of the said killer stresses out Jessica and um, uh, Trish Patsy Walker's sibling relationship. Yeah, even more than it's already been stressed. If you can imagine, given the ending yeah. of the second season. Yes. It's already strained coming into this season. Now, it's a, the other thing that they have, of course, is um, this movie pivots around a female lead. Mm-hmm. Um, and until we got Captain Marvel, um, we only had this and Agent Carter yeah. with female leads. And she's certainly more of an anti-hero female lead as well in that she's riddled with issues that she's, you know, very upfront about, mm. um, you know, alcohol problem, all that kind of thing. Whereas you could argue that um, the other female superhero is a little more straight down the line, good girls, quote unquote. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, in her case, um, I think the noir trope works quite well. Mm. She's morose. She's disconnected from the world. She's trying. She's harsh and uh, difficult to be around. Yes. <laughs> She's really hard on her um, assistance. I like that, though. I think Kristen Ritter really carries that and makes it believable but still makes Jessica likeable. Yeah. Like, she's not unlikable because of all that, and I think that's that's what saves the show. Well, it's, it, is, it is actually classic noir in a lot of ways. There's, you know, Sam Spade, Philip Marlowe. It's, it's there for all of those characters. Oh, yeah, but men can definitely get away with being surly and it being okay. Whereas, yeah. Uh, and 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 the uh, as we were talking about the other week, the drinking is in the comic books is kind of a self medication thing in terms yeah. of uh, um, suppressing her powers a bit. Mm. They never really go there in this one, but she never. I've never actually seen her really drunk recently in the show. Interesting. She just keeps drinking, but she doesn't get drunk. I mean, and again, like we talked about, I think it's implied that because of her, her extra power, yeah. um, alcohol doesn't affect her. On the same level. Like, you need a bit more of She's it like to, Captain to America. get through. Which is what I hope, judging by the way they have her consuming the stuff. But Well, it's to be hoped, you know. <laughs> Presumably there's some kind of uh, healing factor for her liver as mm. well. You know? um, so, okay, season three. Uh, and it is... Uh, I actually thought she played quite well as a member of the team-up series, The Defenders. Yeah. She was there to give you that needed sort of cynicism and sarcasm. The sardonic kind of uh, rebuffs, yeah. Yeah. Um, This time around, though, she's, uh, well... Oh. (laughs) She's she's still in part of a team-up with with Patsy, Mm. uh, as as we... um, discovered in the uh, second season she was uh, empowered too just took a while you know to get there and so there's a new super dynamic in this series and and it gets extended even more along the way 
um, with at least one other character as well as a visit from an old friend. Because <laughs> remember, this was still before they'd been cancelled. So Yeah, right. Mm. Does it function well as an ending for the Netflix shows? Yeah, in, in that kind of... Um, Almost a low, lower key. Mm. But what this series is is a, is a pretty solid meditation on what it is to be um, a, a vigilante mm. um, and that fine line between being a super vigilante, a vigilante and, a, and, a, and a super villain. Yeah. So they get really – they really blur that and it's backwards and the forwards. The old live long enough to see yourself become the villain thing. Yeah. So I think Kristen Ritter really – she just owns this role. Mm. Um, the actress um, – it's a funny thing with the uh, uh, the uh, the PR tour and stuff that they did. Yeah. Um, she was pre- uh, very pregnant. Oh, so did you see that on her Instagram? Yeah. So yeah. It, it's, it's a bit of a jar when you see the whole cast there and there's Jessica Jones pregnant, <laughs> which is actually a thing in the comics too. Huh. Um, she's with Luke Cage. I was going to say, they have a th- thing, they more a of a thing than in, yeah. And, and Squirrel Girl is their babysitter. I was going to say, is their baby? I was like, what? No. Yeah, but no, that makes sense. Well, you know, it's like soft toy anyway. Who knows? So. Who knows? <laughs> but if you're going to have anyone to protect your child, Squirrel Girl's the one. Oh, she yeah. has beat Thanos and Galactus. Do you think they'll do a Squirrel Girl? Oh, yeah, there's a, um, a, there is a series. Mm. Um, she's part of a, a team. Oh, like in the as part of the MCU. Like, do you think they'll make a movie? Yeah, or TV or something. Well, look, I know Brie Larson. Yeah, yeah, it's a TV um, show coming oh, out. Oh, okay. Oh, uh, right, right. It might be animated. I'm, I'm not sure on that. I'd have to double check on that. It was part of that big list of, of shows that yeah. put out. Brie Larson wants to have um, Kamala Khan, Ms. Marvel, sure. in um, the next uh, Captain Marvel. That would be movie. great. Um, so I, I can see that that happening. Yeah. Uh, and let's be honest. Now that Disney has its own streaming channel coming up. They can just throw content at the wall and see what sticks, really. Yeah, yeah, and if it doesn't, then they just move on. Uh, but I, 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 because they're working at, um, you know, we're talking they have a Hawkeye series, a, a, uh, a Captain, sorry, a Falcon, well, Falcon Captain America Winter Soldier series, Loki, a War Machine one. There's quite a few different ones rolling out. But they're all characters who've been on the big screen. Yeah. So... Where we've been very, where they've been very careful about interaction between the Netflix mm. ones and the big screen, and I'd, keeping it separate, yeah, keeping it separate. We've only a few references, yeah, and we had Jarvis from Agent Carter, but he's not from the Netflix shows showing yeah, up in uh, yeah. um, one of the movies. And I think in, it's more, it's very much a one-way channel as well. Like in the shows, they reference the Battle of New York, yeah, obviously, um, but I think the movies don't ever. No, not Re- really. Reference anything back that no, about the TV. So and so, but I think that may change mm. because now it's all in house. I don't know how I feel about that at all. I think it's got to be better than what DC does. True. Where you don't even land the same actors. But even as someone who enjoys this content, I just wonder, like, you know, does it cheapen it when they just throw so much money at these things and just try to churn out? You know, it becomes a, a factory where they're churning everything out rather mm. than this very carefully constructed world as it was before. I don't know. I'm hesitant. The I'm, trick I'm is... I'm concerned. And, and rightly so. The, the, the trick is, I think, to keep each one... Um, give them their own separate creative teams. Yeah, and have very unique... Like with these shows, their yeah. own unique, 
you know, they've got specific colour palettes that are used. They've got specific kind of genre overlays that are used. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you're right. Making sure that they still have their own distinct identity as much as possible. Yeah, and a sound palette as well. Um, Now... The, uh, the cast in this one, because it is an ensemble cast, mm. um, I think the... Uh, oh, I don't have the cast list before me. That's all right. Um, uh, the actress who plays Patsy, um, she really... Rachel Taylor. Rachel Taylor. She really, um, uh, <laughs> I was going to say uh, man's up, but in her case, cat's up, because that's her, mm. her character, Hellcat. Hellcat. Um, she really goes to some interesting places in this series. Uh, more in than I thought she would. Good way, because we discussed a little how we, we were did. getting a bit fatigued by that story, the Trish storyline. When you say a good way, how do you mean? I mean, Effective? does it work? Yeah, it works. Okay. Yeah. Do we still? I mean, uh, yeah. Okay. I won't pry too much because we don't want to give too much yeah, away. It does work. Um, what they do with her, um, they they actually have some nods to the uh, the Hellcat costume as well. They do that okay. usual. She has a costume tryout. And it's like she gets into the yellow spandex with the cat mask. Oh, no, I saw that, yeah. Yeah, she said, hell no. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She actually tried on a Captain Marvel one too. Oh, really? Which is a a deep cut going back to um, Patsy Walker's uh, friendship with Carol Danvers in the comics. Right, okay. And and this is all very, very far away from the origin of um, Patsy Walker in 1944 Mm. in the comic books. She is one of Timely's old, old, old characters. Yeah, right. And she was just a, a... a true romance sort of comic book character. Yeah, okay. And it was much later on that the whole empowerment thing came along. Yeah. So although they retconned that um, to have her mother writing those comic books in the comic books. Oh, cool. And, of course, her mother on on screen in the uh, Dorothy Walker is... um, Controlling. A very controlling theatre mum, a stage mother. In the worst way. And her arc in this one is good too. Mm, uh, okay. Very interesting. Um, and that's one of the things I've noticed about the Jessica Jones series. They do go into the um, the ensemble characters' backgrounds as mm. well. I guess they all have done that with Daredevil and, and Luke Cage and so on. Yeah. But I felt it especially worked here. Uh, and there's lots of business with her assistants. Yeah. She gets a new assistant. Okay. And she's great. She just won't take any rubbish from Jessica. About time too, because she doesn't. I know someone's got it. <laughs> she doesn't. She doesn't deserve to have any any slack cutter. Um, there is an episode where a really nice trick. I thought they they give you um, um, an event and a day from one person's point of view. Then they the next episode they give it for you from the other person's. Uh, yes. So we're like you know Curacao, Rashomi. That old, uh, but it works trick. really nicely when here. it's done well. Mm. I think that's a really lovely technique. The um, the the, uh, the the killer in this one is um, an interesting character. Um, uh, the actor's got a very great way of, of delivering lines mm. without having anything behind his eyes. Ooh. Okay, <laughs> one of those. Yeah, I think. Oh, that's so creepy. Um, yeah. So, oh, and there's a Detective Costa, who's um, Jessica's man in the on the force. Of course, got to have an insider. Got to have that one. Yep. He's actually got this this great little backstory. Um, his husband and he want to have a baby, so they're adopting, and that sort of filters through a little bit. But it's okay. not. They don't make a big deal of it. It's just something that's going on, and it adds extra stress to his character. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know. Um, and going to going to gender um, tropes and so on. Okay, um, Jessica is uh, friend is <laughs> yeah, 
sort of friend, frenemies with her sister, Patsy. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's a relationship between um, Dorothy Walker, who's Patsy's mum, and Jessica's adopted mother. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's that. So we're talking about female relationships here. Yeah. Uh, then, of course, you've also got um, Hogarth, Jerry Hogarth, played by Carrie Ann Moss. Yeah, the, wonderful. The dodgy lawyer who's increasingly dodgy in this one. Yeah, okay. Well, um, we always saw that happening. And Carrie Ann Moss just continues to do good, bad work. Yeah, she's great. <laughs> she's, she really leans in. I think she's fantastic. So you have her and her relationship with the other women in the story mm-hmm. and all of these relationships go to different places and if a bloke had been writing this and and creating this show you might sort of go a bit sort of what are they saying but it's melissa rosenberg show show creator and showrunner mm. who's doing this and she's actually just said well this is equal to a noir story yeah and this is the sort of thing that would actually happen in a, a noir story so we're just you know we're just going to go with that yeah i mean yeah, it should make no difference, really. It doesn't seem to. You know, it, it lands in places that I would kind of hope it would land in this particular story. I'm a little intrigued. Like, I think when I've checked out the first couple, we talked about those. And, I mean, it would be nice to round out. I mean, obviously I haven't seen everything of the TV Marvel stuff because I gave up on Iron Fist. Iron Fist. <laughs> um, uh, and but but I, the ending of Iron Fist with... Um, um, Colleen Wing and the yeah. way they work, all of that. It actually got really interesting. You, I remember you said <laughs> you you didn't totally despair about the fact that you finished it. No. Um, I mean, it would be nice to kind of round out Jessica Jones because I've actually – I really loved season one yeah. and I do think it and Daredevil are kind of my picks for – you know, they started really strong and I think they have a lot to offer. Um, and I think as part of that whole package were really lovely. So maybe I should – well, not lovely, horrible and violent <laughs> with – riddled with characters that are horribly flawed. But um, maybe I'll I'll check out the last season and, yeah. you know, Eventually, farewell it's, it. It's I don't know if they're going to stay on, on Netflix. I'm, they're their show sort of, so – I think it'll be one of those things where they'll stay up but obviously there'll be nothing more yeah. um, put out on that platform in the realm of the Marvel Kristen stuff. Kristen Richards so. said she's probably not going to revisit the role. And, I mean, I think in some ways once something's ended, no, you know, you just... It feels like they're done. Yeah. Um, I, I felt Jessica Jones's arc is done. If they started again, then they'd actually have to start addressing her being an Avenger. And she wouldn't, I don't think, if I was that actress, I wouldn't want to push a character past what a natural ending was. Yeah. Uh, and Luke Cage, of course, is now in charge of um, a nightclub. Mm. So there is a possibility we could see him uh, sometime, I suppose. I don't feel like his arc had ended. Mm. Um, Daredevil's one definitely came to a conclusion. Yeah. Um, the and pun- even Iron Fist, Iron Fist of sorts. Actually, the irritating thing about holy, nothing but irritation with Iron Fist. The irritating thing is it actually got really interesting. So mm. I'd like to see what happened next. And, but and with, sadly, and with Colin, Colleen Wing as well. Yeah. I'd like, where is the Daughters of the Dragon series? Well, exactly. I'd like to see that. Um, Let's green light that. And, and the Punisher. Well, Frank is eternal. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, overall. What's your sort of, you know, this is the last of these Marvel TV things you're going to see. Looking back, you know, kind of what are your final 
about the whole thing or just... Yeah, I guess just as a whole package of, of stuff that, you know, it's over now kind of thing. Well, um, in terms of Jessica, uh, I think that uh, the first season of that is obviously the standout one and always will be because David Tennant yeah. made such a great Kilgrave. I would even say of all of the seasons of all the shows, that was my favourite. It did have an impact upon a lot of people, that one. Uh, it's not quite... Mine, I think maybe one the Daredevil, mm. one of the Daredevils, but it's certainly I'd actually ha- have to flip a coin between them. Yeah, that close. Yeah. They're definitely the strongest series, I think. And, and that's because um, Daredevil has Wilson Fisk as the villain. Well, that's it. It's very good villain stuff, but matched with very good hero stuff. Because Jessica, because Kristen Ritter plays Jessica as stepping back from a lot of things mm. um, and, and sort of dropping away from things and reluctant to be involved, but she gets she has to because, you know, that push yeah. me, pull me sort of thing. And as opposed to you see kind of Patsy, I mean, and this isn't really a spoiler or anything, like she's very much always like, but I want to, you know, I wish I could do the things you do because I care so much about it. And there's that good contrast. Well, it's not spoiling anything to say that she gets that from her stage mum. Mm. Um, she's always been pushed and she sees something and she wants it and mm. and she thinks that she could go into that area and there's other reasons too revealed in her character about Ooh, that. Okay. But but the, the fact that you have Jessica so willing to step into the background in a lot of the stories means that you do need really good villains. Yeah. And Kilgrave was that good villain. That's true. So... As for the entire Netflix um, mm. experiment with the MCU, I think that they did very well. Yeah. I think that, that most of these series um, were nobly done yeah. and with heart and with good intent. And, yeah, they made money out of them. Of but, course. But. Uh, no, no, actually not even but. It wouldn't exist without making money. <laughs> and so as well, like... They did the characters stay Stayed true, so, yeah. yeah. I feel like they stayed true to the essence of a lot of those properties as much as I'm familiar with. I mean, Iron Fist is a maybe more grey, but um, from what I understand, I think they definitely did Daredevil far and away leaps more, like, justice than that awful Ben Affleck thing that, yeah. you know, dribbled out which like, in the less, 90s or whatever which it was. Which less had John Favreau playing Foggy Nelson. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, and... Um, Oh, we'll get there in a second. That's great casting, actually, anyway. Um, but, yeah, I, I think they've done extremely well and I wish them well in their future endeavours. <laughs> All the best in your future <laughs> and, ventures. And I'm really happy to have seen the street-level characters brought yeah, to life. And I, and I feel that they um, could have a future in the MCU mm. as characters if they really wanted to. There's an angle there. Because I, and I know it seems like... Um, kind of economically the business numbers won't make sense and mm. we're in competition now but you know well, disney can be big enough than that can't they well <laughs> well let's not give anything too much credit before it's due but no, sure that's true. <laughs> yeah all right anyway i think i think a great a great and worthy addition to the mcu the whole thing and it's there on um on netflix so yeah. you'd start with daredevil mm, in fact mm. just you know just check out which order they're made in and do it that way yeah and and some of the seasons overlap with the different shows so you, you might want to yeah you know like this jessica jones one is definitely made designed to land after you've watched the defenders yeah yeah i think there's some you can skip though as well. So, you know. <coughs> I am just, exactly. No. But, you know, you can pick and choose. I think there's an element of that. Yeah. All right. Uh, now, what have we got here? I've got a, a track yes. um, which they play at the end of one of the episodes. And, and Patsy Walker, of course, has her show on cable TV and so on. And 
This is a little tune for that, the jingle. Hi, I'm George Takei, and I play Admiral Sulu in Star Trek. Welcome aboard the Starship Zero-G. Admiral? Hey, a guy can dream, can't he? <laughs> yeah, it's Patsy. <laughs> and here on Trish Talk today. <laughs> is it Trash Talk when we're talking about the Jessica Jones oh, yeah. series? Oh, yeah. Well, she, by a, getting thrown into a trash can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, I was looking at one of the, um, the timely, the, uh, one of the first issues of Patsy Walker's comic, like, so we're back in, mm. way back in the day, and um, she's got her... Uh, She's been thrown. She's falling over on roller skates, and she's got a, a pillow strapped to her bottom, it, as you do. A sensible person does in a comic book when sure. they're roller skating. Uh, that's very appropriate for um, Jessica Jones because um, there are times when Jessica does knock Patsy back on her ass, and that would protect her quite a bit. <laughs> oh dear, she is so far from what she was in the comic book. I actually really, yeah, I like the direction they took Trish in in terms of. Um, yeah, I don't know that kind of. Who was the other one that they it was an old older comic book? Oh, uh, Claire Temple. Mm, yes, yeah. no, Night Nurse. Night Nurse. Night Nurse Light. Yeah, yeah. Uh, another character as well. She was, but you know that was where it was. I want to see this. I want to see Misty Knight and Colleen Wing. Oh, Misty Knight. I forgot about how great she was. Yeah, I know. Let's team up. Team, team up, up those team women. Up. Uh, and and Claire because they need yeah, a, a medic. Exactly. And didn't she have? Didn't they give her a hint of having a power? Oh, and also the. Um, uh, the daughter of the councilwoman um, in uh, the councilwoman from uh, Luke Cage, you know the really nasty piece of work. And uh. She had a daughter who was into um, um, chemicals, <laughs> <laughs> Chemical. um, and she was actually she had she was actually supposed to be like Deadly Nightshade from the um, the series. Ah, uh, right, 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 you know. right. In fact, even the the villain in the new Jessica Jones series, uh, season three, has a counterpart in the in the comics. Okay, um, I guess they'd all draw it from somewhere mm. and then just change what they want to make it. But the Easter eggs were good. I mean, there oh, was yeah. um, uh, apart from that costuming stuff we we're talking about, uh, they 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 put a red wig on Patsy, and Hellcat actually has red hair. So it, they just were doing these little shout outs yeah. and, and things along the way. Is Hellcat in She Hulk? No, she, she yeah, she's of. been, um, she's been, uh, yeah, she is actually. She's um, She Hulk's um, like uh, assistant pal, pal partner, yeah. in the in the recent comics as That's well. That's right. Mm. I knew, yeah, yeah, and she's got like curly red hair. Yeah, in yeah. the Alias Investigations um, thing. I would in that. definitely watch some She Hulk. Oh, oh, absolutely, that would be great. Yeah, I want to see that. <laughs> um, all right, just to further a little thing, um, multiple Emmy Award nominee Melissa Rosenberg, showrunner of the Jessica Jones series, is actually here in Melbourne oh. from the 3rd to the 5th of July. Uh, series Mania Melbourne from the Acme. So they're doing a, a premiere TV event there. And um, this is an international event, which is kind of like the can- the uh, the cans of the TV industry. Oh, cool! So that everyone gets together, sort of thing. Um, so, of course, the Acme Fed Square location is temporarily closed while they're um, uh, they're doing all of their renovations and changes there. So they're going to be holding this at the Capitol, which has also been um, yeah, it hasn't newly it's been renovated. spruced up. Yeah, exactly. Nice. So it's all new. So that's all going to be there. So go to the Acme website if you want to find out 
about um, Melissa Rosenberg being Lovely. here. There are a bunch of other people there as well. Obviously, um, uh, actor, director and producer Rachel Griffiths is going to be there. Wow. Uh, Luke Davies, writer of uh, Lion, Candy and Catch-22. And Brian Walsh is the director, director of television Foxtel. Uh, there's just a lot of um, industry sort of stuff going on at this at um, Acme. Cool. All right, now, um, and here's another Netflix thing. Okay, just <laughs> just the way it shook down. Um, I am mother. Yes. Hmm. Tell me, I've heard things. Well, no, I've seen thumbnails with clickbait titles, uh, but I don't know that much about it. So I'm keen to hear. Thoughts. <laughs> it's like I've heard the. I've seen attack ships on fire oh, off no, the I've shoulder seen of Orion. Red lights and whatnot. So <laughs> sea beams glittering in the townhouse a gate or something like that. Yeah, I am mother. 2019 science fiction film, mm-hmm. uh, direct to Netflix. Or mm. done for Netflix. It's or Netflix bought it because no one else would distribute it. Oh, one of those three. It's so hard to work out sometimes. It's directed by a guy called Grant Spoutor. Okay. Uh, it was done in South Australia. Cool. And it's um, got a screenplay by Michael Lord Green. And Lloyd, sorry, Lloyd Green. It um, did premiere at the Sundance Film Festival in January. Mm-hmm. And it was dropped on June the 7th in 2019, and here it is (laughs) on Netflix. Fully formed. Fully formed. Well, actually, that's an interesting story in itself, but which I can shortcut by saying that it's set in an underground bunker. Okay. um, About, well, several decades after an extinction event has overtaken the Earth. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And in that underground bunker, not fully formed, Mm. are 63,000 human embryos in cold storage. Now, they are overseen, caretaken by Mother, which is a robot. Of course. Mm Mm-hmm. And a very convincing robot. Oh, no, you see, there's Mary Shelley's influence upon us all. (laughs) Science must go wrong because otherwise we won't have a story. I could be saying this is a utopian film. And science saves the day. Science saves the day. It's true. Sometimes humans ruin everything, but anyway. Puny humans. (laughs) (laughs) Now, this robot preps and activates one of the embryos, puts it into the artificial womb that they have there. Um, and it's a womb with a view too because it's pl- transparent plastic. I'm sorry, I just had to get in there. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> okay, uh, and this is a female embryo and it okay. grows to girlhood. We uh-huh. see a montage. <laughs> actually, see more than a montage. It's quite actually um, quite detailed. And she has... For a companion, nothing but this robot. Okay. Which is, uh, she's played by uh, Clara Rugard when she gets a bit older. Mm-hmm. And the um, the voice of Mother, the robot, is Rose Byrne. Ah, oh, hmm. great. So you probably know about, far more about than I do, but I've seen her in a few Rose Byrne, too. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and Luke Hawker is the suit performer who plays the robot mother. Cool. So they have someone actually. Yeah. I like when that. It's I a like wetter that. workshop suit. And great. We saw what great work stuff. they do with these things, um, including um, Scarlet's um, Ghost in the Shell yeah. suit for that. They too. do wonderful stuff. And this robot is a bit of a, a combination of a number of different design tropes. We've got some stuff running from Chappie. 
I feel. Okay, sure. Uh, yeah. That and, was a District 9 spin-off. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, not really a spin-off, but close sort of. Uh, sort yeah. of yeah. In the, in the mode of. Um, a bit like the Hammer drones from Iron Man 2. Okay. Um, a lot like every Boston Dime... Dynamics robot you've seen in YouTube clips. Sure. <laughs> uh, you know, so that's sort of um, uh, efficiently built, mm-hmm. but sort of just vaguely uh, kind of, you know, two legs, two arms and a head sort of anthropomorphic. Yeah. Uh, and and they, they humanise it a bit by giving it some padding because it's going to play a mother and hold a baby, so there's some padding on its chest, you know. So oh, God. It's, like with the monkeys when they make that, they make yeah, like yeah. the wire mother mm-hmm. and then they put... Um, yeah, they make a wire mother so little um, spider monkeys can latch. Now, now f- aliens, alien fans may have some doubts about a computer called Mother or a robot mm. called Mother because it never sort of <laughs> it's it's always a problem. Um, and the girl's relationship with a robot is very very convincing. Uh, it, it just it just works really well you, you're sold on it totally um the daughter the human daughter is played by clara regard mm-hmm. um and she has done a magnificent job with with this but then again so has the suit performer and rose Byrne with the voice um so it's not there aren't many people in this story um there is a third person played by hillary swank oh her, a third person mm, mysterious mm. and we I don't know too much about her, actually. I mean, really? she, we started in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the movie. <laughs> um, she did that Karate Kid stuff. Yes, the uh, next Karate Kid. I saw her in The Core, which is a terrible movie. And, mm. you know, so, and I'm sure she's done so many other things that are more worthy than any of those. I do. I think she probably landed squarely in kind of dramatic territory for a time, but like not genre. Mm. So maybe that's why you're a bit less uh, familiar with her. She's done some trash as well. Like she was in the movie called New Year's Eve. Uh, <laughs> I, I have this, uh, it's almost like a running gag, but Max Crawdaddy will um, occasionally um, post on my Facebook page uh, a thing about a pop musician or an artist or something yep, like that. Yep. And it's always, it's always relevant to Zero G. And the latest one was that um, an asteroid was being named after Brian Eno. Ah, well, I support that. Now, although I've heard the name. No. No, Roxy, Roxy music. Yeah, I, I and he's done a know. lot of soundtrack stuff. As well. Yeah, he has. That's where I know from. In, in, <laughs> in, in, the composer of the Windows ninety five riff, startup music. Yeah, nice. Yeah, so now I know. Well, it's just all about finding the Venn diagram of of zero G yeah. Rob interests <laughs> so, and the the pop culture at so, large. So, but she was in Hillary Swank was in Million Dollar Baby. Yes, you would have seen that. That's probably her big role. No, but she. <laughs> You haven't. Is that a boxing movie? Yeah, it's very good though, and it's not. You reviewed that. Did I? You did. Did I? You did. It's it's very good. <laughs> it's it's sad. Okay. It's not just a boxing movie. Halfway through, it becomes something else. But anyway, we digress. Was she good in it? She's wonderful. She also won an Oscar for Boys Don't Cry. Ah, oh, that's um, right. Anywho, mm. but yeah, none of which really falls on the list of genre stuff. You no, probably would. But she's good in this. Seen, anyway, so after that long digression, <laughs> <laughs> it's obvious that um, something is still going on outside. On the surface world, occasionally you see dust sifting mm-hmm. down and you hear pounding, that sort of thing. Great. Something is happening upstairs. Always a good sign. Um, and this is uh, one of those ominous movies. Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, we're all genre savvy. We know that this could possibly have some nasty consequences somewhere along the line. It's not going to end happily. 
Um, well, it could end happily or it could end sadly. It depends on whose oh. happiness is important Cryptic. to you. Cryptic, okay. You I know. dig that. Um, it, it's, the, the design is great. In this, you really buy the underground bunker as yeah, being sure. a, a place. Um, the interaction, as I said, is great between daughter and robot. Um, there's a little bit of a passenger's vibe in this too, I feel. Okay. Um, a little bit. That movie had its flaws. It did. But this one this one lands, I think it lands most of its tropes quite well. And these, the, the robot, um, let's be honest, this robot is kind of scary. Okay. You know, Rose Byrne's scary. I like it. But the robot is scary. It can, um, it, it's, it can be a, a mother, and this is, a, this is why it's scary. It can be a mother and kind mm-hmm. and, and nurturing. nurturing one moment. And then if it has to react to something, an emergency... Uh, it's a full-on Terminator running sort of thing, and you're thinking, "Oh, that's that's a bit okay. worrisome." So <laughs> that, Wor- worrisome, yeah. It's a little bit Black Mirror territory, you know. Yeah, right, right, right. Okay. Uh, it's that it's that whole thing of, um, of the robot looking a little bit uh, mm. ominous, and, and they capitalise upon that, like creepy, but you're not sure why, and then you're definitely then sure you're, why. Yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. Look, I think it's a great little film. Um, it's not going to break any new ground in the tropes of the uh, the genre. Sure. Uh, but it's efficiently done. It's effective. It does have feels in it. Um, yeah. Some unexpected ones too, actually, I, I thought. Uh, and, and I just liked it, <laughs> basically. Um, and, and I do like the um, a name that they have for these robots in general. They call them dozers, like bulldozers or possibly killdozers. <laughs> Who knows? God. It's all know. you'll be dozing after it gets you. Yeah. Well, I, I certainly, I certainly didn't doze through this one. That's good. Uh, it's because it's hit and miss on Netflix sometimes. It can be. So. There, there is a thought, you know, some, one school of thought that says that um, Netflix is is satisfied if it has five things that you kind of like. Oh, and absolutely. They're not too worried about if you right. really love something. No, exactly. They've but, got. They just pump money where they want. Use algorithms to sieve out anything that's not working. And, and, a, and a business model that's um, frankly quite strange, In uh, as if I would really know as an economist. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, a business model where they've spent, a, they're in debt for a lot of money up yeah. front and they're not really making a profit yet. Mm. So that's just, but their business model is evolving and depending upon constant growth. Yeah, yeah. And everybody's sort of confused about how that's going to stand up when more of the big streaming services start, like Disney, for example. Yeah, sure. And Warner. I mean, the thing that Netflix had that put it a step ahead was it was the first, I mean, it started making its own property before anyone else was doing it. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? those Netflix originals really had it. And because they had such great quality, everything they were churning out in the beginning was was wonderful and very well received, like House of Cars and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I mean, there's a really interesting podcast called we are netflix and they do little tidbits about <laughs> we are netflix exactly but it's about some of their practices of how they work in, internally as a company yeah um and they have interview i mean obviously it's by netflix so it's a very much self-promotion thing so grain of salt but um it's pretty interesting so 
Is um, that on Netflix? Sorry. It's a so it's a podcast, so you can okay. get it on. Yeah, so you just look for it. Look for it wherever you get your podcasts. Um, but yeah, as a developer, they do. I'm interested in. They talk a bit about the tech side and stuff. So check it out if you're interested in Netflix's inner workings, as self described by itself. But you know. And speaking of podcasts that you can get where you enjoy getting your podcasts from, check out Zero G's podcast. Yes. Uh, exactly. Which you can find at rr.org.au or through um, iTunes. Mm-hmm. Or if you use um, Libsyn directly, you might want to go there. All put together and packaged by our podcaster, Kayla Larson. Yes, thank you, Kayla. Mm. Now, um, the Bowie track that we wanted to play today is Slow Burn. Mm-hmm. Because I thought that would that's, that, that that feels very appropriate, tense and creepy. To I am mother, and also Rose Byrne. Ah, uh, uh, uh. Uh, no. <laughs> waka waka waka. Okay, let's play that. This is Neil Gaiman in the dangerous alphabet. Zero G comes last. Z waits alone, and it's not for a thing. Mr. Bowie, there with slow burn from the Heathen album, and. I think we're uh, just about it for Zero G today. Oh, coming quickly, up, I think. Oh, yeah, it did, didn't it? Um, Kate Reid is coming up next, standing in for Joe Bradatic with Astral Glamour. And a couple of things I just want to mention. Uh, I, this Grant Spootor, who did I Am Mother, that's his first feature. Oh. You know, so he's done pretty damn well with that. Yeah. And uh, attracted some good uh, talent and yeah. names as well. Um, he worked on um, the TV series Castaway. Which I've not seen. I don't but, know what that is. Yeah, that's clearly something about. He says, uh, shipwrecked on an isolated coastline of Western Australia. Da 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 da. Yeah. And it's a young. <laughs> it's, it's a young. Et cetera, et cetera. It's like a young adult series okay. or a kid series. But, cool. You know, Good on him. It's a pretty big jump. Yeah. To, to and it's got that. a little bit of buzz around it. it so must be a story might check it out. To, to that. Yeah. Uh, and. Um, uh, a couple of things in the I Am Mother movie. Um, the, there's a, a copy of um, Edgar Rice Burroughs' Gods of Mars, mm. which is floating around in it, um, which is a 1913 novel. Mm-hmm. And, well, actually it was a serial back in the day and then it was sort of novelised later on. But um, I can't quite get the connection between that and mm. I Am Mother, unless, of course... Well, actually, yeah, there is a kind of connection when you think about it. John Carter, like, wakes, uh, goes to sleep in a cave and then ends up on Mars. And kind of, a, this is a kind of a, a trope there, but God certainly applies to the robot, you know, because yeah, they're a right, right, powerful right. thing. Um, yeah, and also uh, another thing that happens, the robot can play music on its sound system. Creepy. Well, no, it's like lullabies and stuff. But if you remember... Creepy. <laughs> yeah, if you remember in the Terminator series, the Sarah Cron- Connor Chronicles... Yeah. Um, one of the things that uh, they did was they, they, one of the robots and um, a human with the uh, intellect of another one of the um, Terminators uh, in the form of a little girl, they sit there and they sing this lovely little Scottish light folk ditty. Um, you know, um, Johnny wears your trousers, and it's <laughs> charming, ditty, <laughs> and it's so creepy, yeah, and scary, and you know, really sort of makes you wonder why I'm so kindly disposed to robots. And I hope <laughs> I hope there are AIs and bots out there listening to me say that. You know, I yes. for one welcome our You're on this, robot overlords. <laughs> um, you know, I'm not called Rob Jan for nothing. People pay me. Anyway, um, so 
One of the songs that gets um, spun in um, I Am Mother is uh, Baby Mine, which has been covered so many times, but it's actually from Dumbo. Great. And this is Sharon Rooney singing that. So this is going to sound kind of odd for Triple R, but imagine a robot playing this to you while it's cradling you in its metallic plastic arms. Let's see if it's a Reggie. Kate Reid coming up next. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Megan. This has been a podcast from Free Triple R, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.